to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. This podcast has been prepared by members of ASHP's Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident Collaborative, also known as PAL-RC. PAL-RC is an advisory committee and professional community for Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Residents, or HSPAL residents, within ASHP. PAL-RC helps support ASHP initiatives, outline the roadmap of volunteer opportunities, provide peer-to-peer engagement opportunities, and facilitates networking opportunities with pharmacy leaders. My name is Becca McKay, and I'm a current PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident at the University of Kansas Health System, and I will be one of your co-hosts today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, who I will let introduce herself. Thanks, Becca. My name is Rebecca Placide, and I am a PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident at UNC Health. With us today are Jordan Dow, the Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Freighter and Medical College of Wisconsin, along with Majid Tanas, the Vice President of Pharmacy Services and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Legacy Health. Thanks for joining us today, Jordan and Majid. So before we get into today's topic of lifelong learning, let's first begin by hearing each of you share about your current role and the career path that led you to where you are now. Sounds good. I'll jump in there. Uh, this is Jordan Dow talking and uh, thrilled to be with you. Thank you so much, uh, Becca and, Re- and Rebecca, for the invite and uh, just the chance to, to talk to our ASHP audience and HSPAL residents who are just so critical to the future of pharmacy in our health system. Again, Jordan Dow, uh, Vice President, Chief Pharmacy Officer at Freedom Medical College. I've been in this role since July of, t- of 2022. So uh, a little bit fresh to it, about nine months. It's, I've been in, in this career a while, so the, the career journey uh, can get long, the, the, uh, but I'll just uh, take you back to kind of my, my education path was uh, through the University of Wisconsin. So I did an undergrad there in molecular biology. I worked actually as a nursing assistant for a year, which gave me an incredible exposure to what nurses do in health systems and made me really appreciate them. And helped me validate that I did not want to be a nurse, but wanted to work in the health system. So I got exposed to health system pharmacy during that time and seeing what pharmacists could do within a hospital setting. And it really got me excited um, about the idea of uh, practicing pharmacy and, and the role of pharmacists. So I decided to go to pharmacy school, went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison for that, worked as a technician and intern at UW Health in Madison during that time, got exposed to pharmacy leadership through the HSPAL program at a UW and, and those residents and got excited talking to them about, you know, why they chose uh, from seeing leadership and administration as a path and um, just the difference that they were wanting to make in healthcare and you know, what pharmacists could do to really impact patient care. And so I decided to stay on UW for two years of residency and master's program there. And then from there, it came to Freighter in the Medical College. So I was actually here as a clinical pharmacy manager initially overseeing a number of hospital pharmacists and technicians at the main hospital campus, academic campus in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
and then had a chance to step into more of a health system role, pulling together our PT functions, formulary, drug budgeting, helping run our 340B program, and contracting and a variety of other just kind of system functions, running our antimicrobial stewardship program, starting an anti-coag stewardship program, and some of those things. So uh, that was a ton of fun, a great experience for me trying to help pull together system pharmacy functions across um, a few hospital campuses that had, had operated pretty independently before that. And through that, I also got exposure to the medical staff office and working with the, the chief medical officers and others from each site since the formulary and PT functions underneath uh, their oversight. So that was great experience and learning for me. So did that for a number of years. And then in 2016, I wasn't looking to leave. The job was great, uh, but I had a chance to move back home, uh, which was too good of, a, of an opportunity for my wife and I both. And so I joined Mayo Clinic as a regional director of pharmacy with them. I was overseeing five of the hospital campuses and their community hospital division. And that was a great experience for me. It gave me a little more of a taste and, and direct flavor of community hospitals and a little more of a, a lean model and, and pharmacists wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of great things, as well as really rural healthcare and in some of our smaller sites. And then I did that for six years. So uh, that's kind of been my path up until stepping back into this role and absolutely thrilled to, to be have rejoined Freighter in, in this position. My name is Majid Tanas. I'm the Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer here at Legacy Health. Uh, my career path is, is very similar to Jordan, and it's been a pleasure to be able to come back and give back to this group. Um, so thank you, uh, Becca and Rebecca, for this, for this invitation to be able to speak to people who were uh, students and leaders who were in my shoes not very long ago. Like Jordan, I've had a very long path to get to this road. Started with my bachelor's of biochemistry at Whitworth University in, in Spokane, Washington, before moving down to Pullman, where I earned a master's of biotechnology and decided I liked staying uh, on to uh, pharmacy school as a result of some of that experience. I earned my doctorate of pharmacy at Washington State University before moving to University of Washington Medical Center, where I did my two-year admin residency and earned a master's of health administration. After that, came down to Portland, worked at Oregon Health and Science University, where I oversaw research pharmacy, uh, the ORs and infusion services, uh, and the oncology arm before being promoted to also include the specialty pharmacy, ambulatory, outpatient pharmacy world, and some of the inpatient on oncology services as well. It wasn't like Jordan wasn't looking to leave, but as doors open and at the young point in your career, you're kind of taught to just say yes to everything and to experience the world and um, had an opportunity to move to the DC metro area where I helped remediate the FDA 483 that NIH had received, I looked at bringing their service up to some modern standards, getting some quality and safety expectations set there forward. Then at that point, another door opened to bring me back to Portland, where I've been the chief pharmacy officer here for the last three years and have just enjoyed uh, my, my experience of a community hospital. Um, so it's, you know, my, my path has led me from academic medical centers to federal service to uh, community service and um, just each point uh, along the way, always learning and uh, enjoying that kind of that lifelong learning journey that, that we're on, uh, that we, we never really get off. Yes, thank you so much for sharing your background. Sounds like very fulfilling careers. 
So as you both know, one of the benefits of residency training is the ability to gain exposure to diverse career paths within, within pharmacy administration. In your experience, how did you learn to fine tune your interests and in management style? Uh, Majid, we'll start with you. Yeah, great question. You know, I, I think pharmacy residency really starts by giving you the tools. I always, uh, the, the analogy I like to use is it gives us the tools in our tool belt, uh, how to build a house. And then through those rotations, we really get to go and see how certain people are building their house, if you will. And that residency time is just, it's a really good time to experience and try things in a very rapid succession without having to change employers or change jobs. And so that, you know, six to eight week rotation that you're on really gets you to start thinking about how it is that you began that journey of being a lifelong learner. I think it really starts by asking the questions of what are the, the skills I can always pick up from. And um, in, in any experience that, that you have, you, you have the, the option to learn from that of what do I want to take and adapt and what do I want to give up and not become. And I think that goes for um, for any position that you take, right? Whenever you're you're moving throughout that career, you always have to, your career, you have to be asking yourself, the analogy that I like to use is, is the dance card. And you have to be asking yourself, what on that dance card are you checking off? And maybe I'm aging myself with the, the dance card and, and the high school dances and whatnot. But, you know, the, the reality becomes that you're trying to get as much experience and as much knowledge so that as you go down the road, you um, you have that that background that you can then apply to situations. I think the other thing that this really helps, uh, that residency really helped me do is to be asking questions, right? And to never be okay with uh, the answer of, well, that's how we've always done it. Um, you know, being able to to uh, rub shoulders with people across the country and to get to ask questions of, you know, people like Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how, how's your organization dealing with X, Y, Z? That starts from that very early engagement that you have with ASHP and some other residents across the country um, to be able to start building your network. And, and even now, you know, 15 years later, I'm still reaching out to people from my residency that I, where I trained, but also the people that I interacted with and to be able to have those relationships that not only become a lifelong learning relationship, but also become lifelong relationships that you get to go your career um, through as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. I couldn't agree more. And I think you said it well, Majid. I think, you know, for me personally, going through, you know, the two-year HSPL program, just going rotation, rotation, seeing the different aspects of pharmacy services, whether it's kind of more, maybe the traditional inpatient clinical or operational rotations, and then also seeing some of the, the contracting, you know, side of the business or the, the retail or specialty and, you know, the, even the PBM world. To me, that just really helped frame up the, the entire pharmacy enterprise and how they all interplay and, you know, how, where they overlap at different points, where they don't, and, and really what matters to those leaders and kind of the areas that they're accountable to, you know, what, what matters most to our ambulatory pharmacy leaders, you know, might, might be a bit different than, than, than what matters for our central ops folks and, and um, how they, again, just speak about their business, how they talk about what, what you know, productivity, what, how they talk about what benchmarks or other things that they're focused on, or how, ultimately how they're improving patient outcomes and quality and, and helping the overall practice. So for me, that was really helpful just to kind of get that exposure, understand how they all interrelate and how we can you know, help each other across all of our, our pharmacy enterprise. 
and also just expose me to those settings and help me figure out where do I want to be? Where do I want to land kind of first job as well as down the road? And I certainly had more of a clinical interest bend initially. And, and that's part of what, you know, got me excited and interested in pharmacy to begin with. And then I was fortunate to be able to step into a clinical manager role. But that, that breadth of experience as a resident helped me help me evaluate all those different opportunities and then, uh, you know, really decide what is the right fit for me out of, out of residency. So the other part of the question I heard you say, Becca, was kind of management style and how do you help fine tune that or learn through that? And I would play off what Magic said there too, you know, on rotation, we all get exposed to a lot of different preceptors, you know, we're all different people. They have different styles of managing kind of partly how they're wired, partly how they've learned, you know, and, and to do things. And so for me, it was incredibly helpful to see, and 12, 15 different leaders in how they led in both how they interacted with their direct reports, how they communicated with them and how they communicated up the channel kind of to their boss and others. It, it was you know really helpful for me. Just like Magic said, it helped me you know find some nuggets, things I wanted to learn from and do, do the exact same way others are doing. And then also help me find some things that, you know, I don't, maybe it worked for that leader, but it's not the way I'm wired. So it's not the way I want to do it or, I don't know that that didn't seem to work. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that. So just that breadth of exposure really helped inform how I intend to lead, how I, I intend to manage others. And part of it goes back to kind of what is your management style? Do you have one? Do you have different ones? Ideally, we all probably pivot and use different ones in different settings, but it also helped me just do some self-reflection on, again, how am I, how am I kind of wired to lead? How can I be most uh, effective using my own strengths that way, which was which was really helpful. Thank you so much for the insight. And I guess as you've navigated your careers, how do you stay up to date on the latest healthcare changes, such as policy or fee schedules, anything like that? And uh, Jordan, we can start with you. Yeah, happy to happy to go first. You know, this gets to lifelong learning, right? Things are things are changing constantly around us. And so if we're not plugged in, if we're not being curious and trying to learn all the time, then, then we're not going to be up to date and we're going to become, you know, irrelevant and or, and or making poor, uninformed decisions. So it's critical that we stay up to date, that we keep learning and growing all the time because, because things are changing uh, continuously. It seems like the pace of change just keeps accelerating. So, you know, how I do that personally, a variety of means, uh, probably like many others, I, I subscribe to a lot of uh, different kind of news links, updates. So some within pharmacy world, of course, ASHPs, get it, you know, plug those for a minute here, but, but then they are great. Um, a number of different, you know, some of their daily communications as well as different kind of groups uh, that, that send out daily updates or, or networks that communicate with one another. Um, I do it through, you know, some other industry ones as well that I read that, again, are, are pharmacy oriented. And then I also, you know, to me, part of my role is, is ensuring that I'm in sync with what our healthcare executives are seeing. So I've intentionally plugged into a group called ACHE and follow a number of their communications you know, Modern Healthcare, Becker's uh, Advisory Board. There's so many different groups playing in this space, SG2, Vizian, and others. And so um, I tr honestly, I tried and, and follow a number of those and just stay connected to looking at headlines, looking at, again, what are our senior executives seeing, probably so I can, if there's something medication related, hopefully I can, you know, be aware of it, get ahead of it. If, if they might be, you know, coming to me with a question, hey, how's this issue going to impact us or or that sort of thing, I'd like to, like to stay informed. And then 
you know, I haven't even touched on kind of the policy, healthcare, healthcare changes, slide and legislative updates. Again, some of those things come through those channels. Um, but uh, again, plugging into ASHB, I think does a great job keeping us up to date on, on those things, as well as our states, uh, which obviously have a key role on a lot of uh, state legislative things. So from my vantage point, so grateful for our state and national associations and how they try and filter information and put it to the top of my inbox. And then to imagine, you know, a comment he made earlier, the network of individuals and people um, through ACHP and other venues is so valuable to be able to just check in with periodically, ask, hey, what's keeping you up at night? Or, hey, what, how are you doing with this issue? And often I hear from them, you know, maybe about something I, I didn't see uh, through my inbox. That's a key issue that's, that they're trying to work through. So those are my, my main mechanisms. Yeah, I think the, the challenge of going second is that um, that Jordan steals all your thunder uh, is what I'm, I'm quickly uh, finding out here. <laughs> um, but I think just to touch on a couple of things, maybe to, in addition to what Jordan said, you know, first of all, reading, subscribing to as many newsletters as you can. You, you can't process them all, but just even the headlines. So we have a, a lobby group that we get weekly briefings from. Um, you know, the politics in D.C. does impact you and your career and your service and your organization. Um, you know, I, I listen to um, to podcasts. I sit in on LinkedIn and I read what people are posting and I, and I try to stay as engaged with my industry and others outside our industry because we all are facing the same exact problems. Right. So so I would add, you know, I think social media has kind of changed how we can consume information. My LinkedIn feed is, is one of the easiest ways for me to do that. My ASHP Connect is another way that I just get daily briefings, my ASHP daily briefings, um, messages from, from Paul Bramowitz. You know, these are the things that kind of get us kind of that intake, if you will, that, that reading and that listening of that. I think to, to Jordan's second point, you know, staying involved with ASHP or your state affiliate is, is definitely an essential part of that. But one of the things, too, that I've really found to be valuable is to, to, through those arenas, to really network with people. And I'm not talking about, hi, Jordan, my name is Majid. It's more of a, hey, Jordan, we haven't talked in like six months. Can you and I jump on a call? I want to want to pick your brain about something like that. Um, that's lifelong learning, right? It's, it's the, the benefit of interacting with somebody who's not necessarily in your market. Because even though we are part of pharmacy at a national level, Jordan's problems are going to be the exact same as Magid's. They just might look different uh, because of our organizations and services that we may or may not have. But we have to remember that payers or 340B implications or specialty or, or a lot of these things that we tend to think are localized really indeed are just they're national. And so I, th I think that's the kind of the other way that I've really stayed up to date is just talking to people like like Jordan, uh, other leaders across um, the, the network, finding a good mentor as well. We all need them. And mentees are another way. I've, I've had some mentees of mine teach me things about LinkedIn or, or, or Instagram or TikTok or, you know, na name your social media platform that I didn't know about that you're like, wow, that's really great. Or, hey, where'd you get that article? Oh, I was listening to this podcast on, on this, this um, venue. And so always taking that time to, when you have that downtime, to just kind of reflect, right? And I think um, that's a really important thing, especially when it comes to, to policy decisions, um, uh, payment, paying decisions, uh, payer decisions, stuff like that. 
I think the other th- the other thing I would conclude with in this is the statement that you know you you have a choice in your career to wait to move up into another position or to move to move up. And I think in my career I've taken more of the latter uh, approach, and, and it sounds like Jordan's pathway has been similar, is of just moving around and experiencing new things. And, and I'm a big believer that if you aren't learning anything in your current job, it's time to change jobs, right? And that really forces you to stay up to date. Um, each position I've taken has not only been a larger uh, assignment uh, where I've I've had to develop new skills and new um, new leadership skill sets and language and vernacular. But it's also where I've had to be faced with new and different different challenges. Again, going back to my earlier comment, residency is great for giving you those tools, but it takes practice. And if you keep doing the same thing for 20 years, you know, you're going to atrophy other mental muscles that you have. And so putting yourself in those new situations really forces you to stay up to date as you advance through your career. Now, spinning this a little bit on the leadership side of things, um, you know, healthcare is only getting more and more complex. And now that you both are in executive level, you know, pharmacy roles, how do you lead people whose work you may not understand at a granular level? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. It's a challenging one. You know, the, the word leadership, as I've gone through my career, has become less about being the leader and more about being the servant leader. So what does that mean? That, that means you know putting your team's interests and your team's work before your own, right? As a leader, you know, I, I personally think all org charts are messed up in that the top of that org chart is the, the, the highest ranking leader. And, and in fact, I'm, I believe in an inverted org chart where you know, the leader is really the bottom of the heap and your staff who are providing all that wonderful patient care they need to be your focus, right? So I think when you change your mindset to that, um, the, you know the, the the approach to this becomes different. And the best way that I've I've heard this described is that leadership isn't taking charge; it's taking care of those in your charge, right? And so when you can do that, when you can change your your perspective of I'm not I'm not your you know your your mom or dad. I'm not going to have to tell you what to do. What what do you need me to do so you can do your job? It really creates a sense of empowerment for your team. I've operated many service lines that I've had some very amazing leaders that oftentimes don't get the credit that they deserve for all the amazing work that they've done. And in my career, I've just really taken that uh, that servant leadership approach to just say, what do you need? Empower them. You have to let them run, right? There's the saying, you know, hire for attitude, train for skill. If you can't fix somebody who's just going to have a sour attitude all the time, but you can train people up in skill, right? And then the, the essential part is to just keep checking in on them, right? And, and that's that harder part of you don't want to be a micromanager. You, you, you want to be somebody who's just saying, hey, how is project X or Y going? And I think to, that really starts to help them lead you. Right. And so to take this question and and spin it a little bit, you know, it's it's how do you how do you let people lead you when you don't understand their job? Right. And I think some of that is just having a safe environment to be able to ask questions. Right. To 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 just ask, like, what is it that you need Um, early on in my career? One of the the first things that I did was I asked um, some of my my pharmacists in charge by the state to, to say, hey, you're my leader. 
for this for this service line. I I'm not going to always be here. At that point, I was managing uh, roughly eight distant, about 100 miles of freeway, separating them all, eight, eight little pharmacies. And I just said, hey, like I can't be at all eight of these and be at the main campus. I need you guys to to, to tell me what you need. Ping me, email me, you know, page me. That was still a thing back then, and let me know what it is you need. And I remember them saying, really? And, and I said, I trust you. And if you look at the five dysfunctions of the team, trust is that fundamental, uh, that's that baseline that you have to have. And so you really got to get people um, to establish that trust early on and build that trust. And that's the biggest thing, I think, that you have to, to really start to do to get people to then tell you what they need so that you can start removing barriers. And again, going back to that, that earlier statement, right? That leadership is not about leading. It's not taking charge, right? It's about taking care of those that are in your charge. And I, and I think it just comes down to that, that servant attitude of how can I help? Wow. Uh, well said, manager, you kill me. I don't know what else to add to that. But man, I love the, uh, I didn't know how in sync you and I were, you know, you're referencing when and showing these five dysfunctions of a team. We're talking about an upside down org chart, which I've put out one before with that same idea. Uh, love it. So, uh, you know, not real diverse perspectives on this call because I'm basically just agreeing with you on, on that one. And uh, maybe just one or two other quick things I would say are, um, again, just to the topic of lifelong learning, right? The um, part of, you know, if we don't understand an area within our enterprise that, that we get to lead, then then it's an opportunity for us to understand it and to go spend some time learning. So, you know, we're not going to learn every detail of, of every piece of the business that, that we lead and, and we need to be comfortable with that and trust the, the people leading in that space. And at the same time, I don't think we want to just, you know, at least I don't, I want to at least understand it enough to be able to effectively support the leaders in that, in that area and the, and the staff in that area. And so, you know, to me, that, that ties to um, opportunities around leader rounding, right? Going, spending time in the area, getting to meet the staff so they know who you are and vice versa. And also just asking them what matters to them. You know, what are the challenges? How can you support them? And so just a little different angle to it. But I, I do think if, if it, especially if it's an area that you haven't spent much time in your career on, certainly you want to support and trust those leaders. But I think it's it's um, important for the for the you know executive leader to go spend some extra time and with those leaders to make sure they have a grasp to be able to speak to, you know, what they're doing, advocate for them and support them. Awesome. And similar to the last question, what would you say your approach is to solving a problem that you feel, you know, very little about? It's a great question again to me. I'm going to answer it somewhat similar to the last one. Again, I think we start with trying to understand enough to, uh, to, you know, make a reasonable decision, start by trying to understand, you know, why is it a problem and what's the extent of it in spending time with the leader who's ever elevating that issue, um, to, to, again, understand kind of the crux of it and, you know, asking some reasonable questions about like, okay, you know, is it, um, if we don't do anything about it, what's going to happen? Or if we, you know, if we do make this change, what's the net impact? And, um, and then to me, I'm a data person. I love, I love data. And um, so to me, I'm, I'm always going to ask or likely ask for, you know, again, you can tell me about it. Great. But I'd love to see the numbers or the, the kind of, whether it's quality or financial or whatever, you know, related to, to the problem that just helps me get my mind around again, kind of the, the, the total quantitative as well as qualitative impact of the issue and, and the potential solutions to it. So, and then at the end of the day, just like Magid said, if, if um, 
we want to understand it enough to, to feel like we, we get it and support it. But um, we're also leaning on on our leaders who we trust to give us you know the best recommendation, challenge it a little bit, understand it, and then go forward together with them to, to advocate for for what they're asking for. Yeah, I can't agree with with Jordan. You know, we we definitely are kindred spirits. I think you know our, our backgrounds have led us down similar pathways. You know, I, I want to kind of challenge. You know, going back to our the the topic right of of being a lifelong learner, right? I want to challenge our profession, right? And and I I love these podcasts because they're they're bite sized nuggets, and we get to drop some knowledge, right? Um, and one of the things that I've really been reflecting on over the last several years, there's two brains that we need to have. The first is a pharmacist brain, right? So so from very beginning of our our pharmacy careers, we are taught in our patient care labs to look at a prescription and figure out what's wrong, right? Just think about our training, like the whole time that we've been, um, we've been a pharmacist. And again, I think you're a pharmacist as soon as you get your white coat on, right? That's what they tell you, right? Um, we're trained to ask the question, what's wrong? And then we take this step into leadership and, and leadership isn't so much about what's wrong right? Leadership is about trying to figure out a viable solution that will overcome that challenge. And, and so I, I, you know, I, I really think there's, there's two parts of the brain that we have to really think about in the pharmacist mind. There's the pharmacist brain that is always analytical, looking at the problem, trying to problem solve. And then, and then there's the leader's brain. And, and that's the brain that we need to start exercising as a profession. And, and I'm not just talking about the big L leaders, but the titles that Jordan and I have. I'm thinking every pharmacist who listens to this, every intern who listens to this, every student who listens to this, we have to start asking ourselves, how do we move away from what the perfect solution is to moving to what's an okay solution for now? Right. So going back to your question, what, what's the approach in solving a problem that we we know very little about? I think that I've seen pharmacists typically be plagued by waiting for the 100% solution and never executing. And there's a general patent who, who says a, a plan executed is better than the perfect plan never executed. I'm paraphrasing here, right? So, so go look up his, his quote, right? But as pharmacists, because we've been trained to think about we got to have the perfect solution before we go forward. It's like, no, you just need a solution, right? Healthcare, we, we are at a extreme crossroads at healthcare right now. COVID has accelerated um, healthcare a decade. And we are still, many of us are still at the front line or at the starting line asking ourselves what just happened. Because while healthcare was moving for 10 years, payers were moving, um, pharma was moving, 340B regulations were moving. We were focused on the problem in front of us, COVID. How do we keep our staff intact? How do we keep moving forward? And now that we have this, this decade that we have to catch up on, we, we're having to exercise and lead in, in uncertain times. And, and it, it makes jobs, you know, like Jordan's and mine, very challenging because going back to our first question, right, being a lifelong learner, what we learned in residency, um, I, I don't know about Jordan, let him, you know, come back on the mic here. I didn't learn how to lead through a pandemic. I didn't learn how to lead in a financial recovery with a short, short workforce. And this is where I think you really need to stay connected to organizations like ASHP, like, like your state, right? Because, uh, state affiliates, because that's really where you start to be able to answer these questions. So that's that's kind of the first thing that I, that I want to challenge us with. 
The second thing I really want us to think about as a profession is how are we going to be moving out of that auditor phase into the instigator of care? So if you think about what our job is, somebody's already done the clinical judgment, somebody's already thought through what we're going to, how we're going to treat this patient, and we get a prescription at the end, and we're left to ask, well, what's wrong with this prescription? What we need to do is to say, what is the patient's scenario? How do we get ahead of the provider? How do we do this analysis ourselves and stop waiting? And, and for leaders, I think it's the same thing, right? We are often left at the end of the solution of, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Well, why are we waiting? How do we get ourselves at the at the, the table? And I think it's really comes down to being that lifelong learner. I think, you know, ASHP is a great way to do it. I think we also need to go to the other circles and listen to what they're talking about and start planning, not just for next year, but planning for where, we're, where we need to be in five years, because that might take three to four years to build. And when it finally comes here, you want to be ready for it. And, you know, using that, that analogy of, you know, history tends to repeat itself, knowing where it's been will certainly help you plan for the future. This isn't the first recession that we've been. We will come out of this. We will come out stronger. We will come out better. There's some refinement that's going to happen with this. But again, we have to stay with, with the times. And I think that's the big challenge that's ahead of every leader, every resident, um, every pharmacist, how we plan for not just tomorrow, but for five years from now. Majid with the mic drop at the end. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have today. Uh, I do want to thank Jordan Dow and Majid Tanas for joining us today to discuss lifelong learning. Find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises, and teams and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us, and be sure to subscribe to the at ASHP official podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.